What's for lunch? T-double-B-L-C. Stay in your seat. What's for lunch today? Brown bag, brown bag. The Brown Bag Lunch Group. And welcome back, folks. TWBLC coming at you here with my co hosts, Drew Luster and Devin Murray up in Gloucester, Massachusetts, 01930. How's it going, fellas? Going pretty well. Uh, really excited to be back. And I love the shirt today, Kurt. Absolutely electric. Thanks. It's usually my go-to Friday shirt if I'm sitting at home, a little Hawaiian-themed Friday, but today it was in the closet, and I said, that looks good on camera. Absolutely. Amazing shirt. Happy to be here. Let's get her going, boys. Let's get her going. And with that, just some stuff I I noticed this week as I was going through my daily routine. Uh, I've recently set into a house that is a match type of house in the bathroom. Uh, the person I live with does not like the smell of Febreze, so I've been lighting matches, and man, oh man, have I switched. What does that mean, though? Like, what do you, you just light a match and then blow it out? Like, you don't, do you, do you light a candle with the match? Nope, it's just a match, so you light it, you, you know, you let it burn a little, and then you swipe it out with a little bit of wind, and then the smoke uh, gathers in the air, and it smells like nothing ever happened in there, Drew. Wow, I mean, I... I I have to just say like I'm more of a candle guy. I have some manly candles. Um, some manly. You can go to Marshalls. Yeah, I have not just any candle. It's called clean shaven, I believe. Um, but yeah, I just don't like. Just you know, I it just I'm not I'm not fully on board with it. I'll just say that. Just the match thing. It's kind of odd to me, but to each their own. Okay. I mean, I'm I'm more of like a Febreze and then put the fan on type of person. But I've never really heard of just lighting a match and like normally i would think it's either you're going like febreze or you're gonna light a candle i didn't even really yeah. i never even really heard of that it's the old adage of just light a match will you when you're when somebody walks out and you know left something oh. behind but <laughs> it works it's cheap it's economical how much does a little packet of matches cost it's got to be way cheaper than a bottle of febreze probably, probably lasts right. longer too you're probably right one match like one stick there's probably 30 of them in there Definitely cheaper than buying a candle. Oh, yeah. way cheaper, way yeah. cheaper. And with I'm that, just, I, I have one more thing. Okay. I'm not sure a match would do the job for me in some <laughs> situation. I'll just say that. I think I need the candle and the Febreze sometimes. And? And the open window and the fan if there is one. Because sometimes a match, it's just like, what do you, you know? Like, that's a great question. It's... <laughs> I'm going to challenge know. you to use a match next time, see if it works, and we'll go okay. from there. But with that, right. let's hop right into stuff you hate. I want one thing from you guys in which you hate. I'll start us off here because I went to open up my oven roast turkey deli meats this week to make a sandwich. And every time I go to the grocery store, it seems like they never, ever put the sticker in the right place they will tape it over that zipper every single time and what happens sometimes is you take the sticker off and sometimes it rips the plastic so now you have a non-fresh packet of turkey that's sitting in there for a week or it just rips and now you got to tear like the two sides of the sticker off it's like getting you know a sticker off your golf club it's impossible you need nail polish at that point 
Right. What do you guys got for your stuff of your hate of the week? I'll hop in here real quick. Can I just hop on the other side of the fence real quick behind the deli counter? I think the reason they do that is because a lot of the time the contents, you know, whatever type of meat or cheese is being packed into that bag doesn't take up the whole bag. So they do the old fold over, you know, they fold the bag on itself and then put the sticker or tape there just to keep it nice and neat and tidy. But you, you know? can do that on the other side. You can still compress the air out of it and not put the sticker over the zipper. It seems like a simple solution to just not put the sticker on the zipper, right? It I mean, wouldn't be that hard to put it anywhere else on the bag. I mean, don't tell me. Tell the deli guy that I'm talking about. You just I mean, said you were behind the counter. So in this hypothetical, you are the deli guy. That's why I'm asking you. I think I would do it. I think I would put this. I would put the sticker on the zipper. I would fold it over and slap it right on there every time and just ship it out to people. And and to just kind of step aside here and give you my pet peeve of the week. It's just overall like road etiquette. Now, so whether I am driving or I am walking slash running, um, I just don't like the way that people have been treating me lately. <laughs> I have a problem with it. Here's an example. I'll give you two examples. One when I'm driving, one when I'm walking. Today, I'm crossing. <clears throat> I'm on Lansdowne Lane, crossing over to go to the back shore because I'm doing a little loop-de-loop run. What do we call really that, nice day out. that road when we drive down it? Fallujah. It's like because driving it's not through the streets of Fallujah. Like, there's just it's rocky, literally like there's potholes three feet deep. Yeah, it's nuts. Anyways, I'm literally I'm so not even. I think even... Fallujah was in Iraq, but good try. You, better you than me. You would know more than I would. Anyways, I am in the middle of the street. Like I am directly in the middle of the street, waiting for someone to let me go on the far side so I can cross. Three cars went by, and I look at them with my hands up, and I stare at them as strongly as i can with my gaze and they don't even let me go and then finally the third person let, the fourth person lets me go like it's a sunday afternoon you have nowhere to be you're just enjoying your time you can't i'm in the middle of the street just let me go like so you're already halfway across the street and then just yes, waiting for yes, the other lane yes exactly yeah. i have a problem with that my second issue is if i'm letting someone go if it's like if I'm in the truck and I'm letting someone go, I guess it's almost playing both sides of it. I don't know. Anyways, and someone crosses and they don't even look up, say thank you, wave, anything. I want to literally get out and RKO them, like blindside sucker punch them before they even cross. Because I'm like, how could you be so disrespectful? Like, you're, I, I am the reason that you are walking right now. And you're not going to thank me for that. That's I have a problem with that. All it takes, it's not hard. It just takes a little, a little hand. Put your hand up. A little, just literally lift a little your hand. All I need not to. That goes for someone that's driving too in the car. You let them go. Like I just, I, I feel like that's everyone's pet peeve. I, I just don't understand how you can just not acknowledge someone that goes out of their way to let you go, whether you're driving or walking. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It's ridiculous. So I threw yeah. a couple of middle fingers out the window this week at some uh, at some people. They don't like the Massachusetts plates down in Florida, and there was a guy tailgating me. I'm trying to take a left turn in about a thousand feet. And he's just flashing his lights at me, and I just, boom, threw him the mingi right in the back mirror. He didn't like it, started yelling at me out the window as he drove past, <laughs> but that's what I draw up as a win in my book. That's a win. Yeah. Definitely. That's a win. Dev, yeah. let's hear your hate, hate of the week. Yeah, so I'll take it a little different direction. I was thinking about, especially this time of year where it starts to it starts to heat up a little bit, you know, getting nicer weather. Today's an absolutely beautiful day, and 
but you know, the way that my house is and the way my room, my room's upstairs. So it gets really hot upstairs. Right. And I have yet to, I just recently last year, finally got an air conditioner for my room. Didn't have one before that. So my thing that I hate is any kind of sleeping in the heat is the absolute worst for me. I need to be in a cold, cold room. I like it. Like I'd rather it be 60 degrees than even 70. Like I, I just, I can't not fall asleep. No chance I fall asleep in any kind of heat. So the way it is right now, I, you know, thought about that because I haven't actually set up my air conditioner yet. Probably going too soon now because it all of a sudden last night started heating up. I wake up, it's like 72 degrees in my room, which I think some people would find that comfortable. I'm miserable in 72. I can't like, I'm like sweating and I can't do it. I had a really hard time sleeping. So I, I really, I can't sleep in the heat. I need to be freezing cold, cranking the AC with, I might even turn my fan on along with the AC, right? So it's like right in my face and then put a big comforter over me. That's the way that I sleep. So sleeping in the heat is what I hate. Drew, what, what is the trick of the trade I'm going to go to here? I I don't want to speak for you, but I have something that's just rolling right off my tongue. So as you guys know, I don't even have the capability of installing an AC in my room. And the only window that I have leads out to a screen porch. So it's there's not a lot of flexibility with how you can cool down this cave of mine that I'm in. So I literally just open the blind completely, open the window completely, don't use any blankets or sheets, just sleep on the top of my mattress naked. You don't sleep. That's the trick of the trade. It's sleeping naked. Fine. I'm I'm okay with that. If you sleep without even a sheet or a blanket, oh, okay. a sheet, you, a sheet, obviously a sheet, oh not directly God, on the mattress. Nothing on you. Andrew would be mortified. No, 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 no. Yeah, there's a sheet here, but that's it. Like, there's no like the comforter. I can't even. I, it's nothing. I just I mean my, put a in on. my naked body. That's it. I <laughs> I gotta put a comforter on. I can't. I wouldn't be able to fall asleep even if I'm hot. That's the thing. Like, I can't. I need to put a blanket on, so I need it to be yeah. cold. So you want to know something crazy real quick while, while I'm on the topic? What? You guys aren't going to believe me. Sometimes in the middle of the night, if it's really hot, I have like the wood in my floor. I'll just curl up in a ball on the floor to cool <laughs> off my body. Oh, I believe it. That's, yeah. I believe that. That's so all I have. I want the viewers to cement that one in their mind uh, <laughs> as we move on to our interview <laughs> guests of the week. We're going to have Rockport's own Kyle Nelson on as well as a special guest in the latter segment to give Maybe some of his takes on what he hates, pet peeves of the week, and then the age-old argument of stadium versus at-home viewing. All right, folks, let's roll. All right, and our guest of the week, we got Rockport High School varsity head coach Kyle Nelson after his first year at the helm. Uh, he's also... 2017-2018 Intertown League champion with the Rockport Townies over those darn Manchester Mariners. And also, 2015 Male Athlete of the Year from Rockport, a quick Google Whoa. search found out. Uh, we, got, we snuck that one in there. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Not bad, not bad. Uh, so not bad let's at all. dig a little into very successful first year you had coaching coming off a couple of tough seasons, hadn't made the playoffs in about seven years. You get them into the playoffs at the helm. Uh, yeah, so just give me an overall recap, maybe. Uh, so it started on the first day. You know, we uh, wiped the slate clean. 
Um, I had a big senior class and they were ready to succeed um, because in their previous three years, they didn't really have much success in the wins and loss losses department. Um, so from the beginning, we just preached staying positive and um, it kind of, it took a couple weeks up to a month probably before we started to see results. But um, once we saw results, we kind of took off. We had a really good stretch um, in the middle part of the season where we had points in like eight games in a row or something. And um, then we kind of faded off at the end. But overall, it was a success. I enjoyed it. We had a lot of fun. So uh, looking forward to next year. Yeah. And usually with success first year, I know when we had Brian LaFada come in for our baseball team, he changed kind of the the whole way we went about things. Do you have any big changes going into the season? I know the Globe article mentioned uh, just basically the kids could relate to you because you're only a couple years removed from high school. You played all four years at Rockport. Uh, any big changes that you implemented into the system that you thought were crucial to success maybe or just panned out very well? Uh, I think it was just looser. You know, um, Like you just said, I could relate to the kids and they could relate to me. Um, I had only been out of high school for five years, so it's still pretty fresh in my mind how the high school mindset is. And um, I think that was the biggest thing, you know, reach out to the players and if they seem off, just check in and you'd be surprised how far that goes, you know, show that you're a person and not just another authoritative figure that's trying to tell them what to do. And um, that's really what I, credit the success to is that they wanted to play you know and everyone was trying to get better and they were always wanting to know what they could do to get better and um just having that communication and open open environment i think paid dividends in the end yeah, yeah and I, I, go ahead Drew. i was yeah so just echoing off of what kurt said too i think that was something that i was kind of thinking of coming in here is the relationship between you and those players you mentioned being, you know, out of kind of removed from that environment for five years, that's not very common. I would, I would assume among, you know, high school coaches. So um, I guess what was it like going in and did you have any expectations on how that would go? Like, did you like, I think going in, if I was in your position, I'd be not hesitant, but just like, you know, how, how is it going to be relating with these kids? You know, Obviously, you're in a position where you're thinking, okay, five years removed. I feel like I was there yesterday. But um, just tell me a little bit about what what it was like, you know, like you mentioned day one and and kind of what it took for you to get to that point about a month in where you felt like things were sort of content and you guys were rolling. Um, So so I was an assistant for two years um, while I was in college. Um, My sophomore and junior years. I helped out with varsity, and then my junior year of college, I was the JV coach. So I had coached some of the kids prior, um, before I took this, uh, before I got this job. Um, so I had already built relationships with some of them, and it was also to the point where they had watched me play. You know, because I'm only five years older than them, that they were in middle school. Um, you know, like we used to do, we used to sit in the bleachers and watch the, uh, high school games, you know, um, they'd watch me play. So they knew what I was about and, um, Rockport's a small town. So, you know, each other, you see each other around and, um, it was just, 
it was more difficult for the Manchester and Ipswich kids because we're a three-school co-op. Um, building relationships with them because you don't see them around and you didn't really know who they were until you took this job. Um, I think that was the biggest thing with that. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, and then building the culture, as you said, you had the two Douglas brothers at your side uh, accompanying you. Let's just talk about Connor and Brendan here a little. So Connor, I think, might have shown up a total of six times <laughs> uh, the whole year. Oh but God. Brendan Brendan was ride or die. You know, Brendan was there all the time, and we were texting all the time. And if I got a parent email or something, I'd run it by Brendan, how I was going to respond. Um, but we also had a uh, a fourth member of the staff. His name was Glenn, and Glenn is like 62 years old. So I had like the old old school um, mindset there as well. So it was kind of like good cop, bad cop. You know, um, he would come in with the old school mindset and ream kids out every once in a while, and then I'd be like, hey, you know, just do this next time. But um, <laughs> that's awesome. Brendan and Connor, they're they're awesome, awesome people. Um, known them my whole life. You know, Brendan was the same thing as these kids were to me. I grew up watching Brendan play and just to be able to, to coach with them and, um, just get to work with them was awesome. And we know the program inside and out cause we'd been a part of it for so long. So, and we were successful while we played. So that's how we approached it from the beginning is that okay when we were successful this is what happened so from day one with preseason skates we hired the same guy johnny carvelis who ran our preseason preseason skates and he just bags you you know and you don't even touch a puck for like seven skates legs feed the wolves that's exactly that's it and if you get in shape before the season then you don't have to spend time in the season getting in shape you can spend time working on the systems and then you just maintain that um, cardiovascular endurance. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that was part of the success that we had with the new coach was he created the whole new system, but it was baseball, totally different sport. But it was about a thousand times more reps than we had with the prior coach comparatively. Yeah. So that's the same thing going in the hockey season. You obviously need the conditioning. You need the stamina to last the entire three periods. Um, so I think that's just what breeds success. It's hard work, dedication, uh, like you've said before. Uh, with that, I'd like to get a little into next year. How are the expectations looking? Uh, team looking good. What do you got? So, like I, we lost like 14 seniors, I think. So there's going to be a lot of holes to fill there. Um, but we also had two freshmen that saw consistent ice time um handful of sophomores that saw consistent ice time um we got a really good goalie who's going to be a sophomore um and he he worked his his butt off all year um he was primarily jv but he would still come to all varsity practices so he'd get up five days a week at 4 30 in the morning and come skate and then he'd come to all the varsity games and all the jv and his work ethic is unbelievable so i think he's he's going to be the backbone and then We'll move up the ice, and I think we'll be pretty good. Awesome. Drew, you got anything else on the Rockport one, one season? More th yeah, one more thing as we sort of wrap it up here. You know, just 
as you kind of look back at the first year, what do you see as, you know, your biggest success or your like most positive memory or the, or the one biggest takeaway that you have after year one, as you kind of look back at it, preparing for year two? Um, so that's what I do a lot is I reflect. Um, and I think that was part of why we grew a lot throughout the season was because after every practice, after every game, after everything, I would look back and I would reflect. Um, so from the first meeting, I said to the parents and the players, like the first parent, coach, whatever, the uh, winter sports meeting, I said that our job as coaches to, is to not only teach the game, but to teach them like self-advocacy skills as well. And the fact that the kids would come to me and they would ask questions and they would try to learn. I think that that was um, the biggest success because you could tell from the first week to the end how much better the relationships were and that they developed these skills that they didn't have prior. And yep. also the game became fun again for them um, because for, especially for the seniors, like I said, they didn't really have much success and they didn't apparently at the end of last year, it was like, it was hard to get to the rink, especially at 4.30 in the morning. And kids would tell me all the time that it wasn't difficult getting up that early in the morning. They enjoyed it. And you could tell by the energy in the room that they're like joking around. And what high school kids joking around at 5 o'clock in the morning before they go play hockey yeah, practice? Not me. You know, and it was just <laughs> loose. And I think that yeah, the fact that it became fun again and the fact that they learned skills other than hockey was the biggest success. Yeah, and I don't want to speak for you or your staff, but obviously, as you mentioned previously, the idea of being someone who they can go to and kind of joking around and being, you know, the good cap, the good cop per se, you have to think that that translated to the way that the the students um, enjoyed the year and kind of took it as a, you know, getting up at four thirty and being being eager to go down there and spend time with you guys and to work. So, um, yeah, props to you guys for kind of building that from the jump, and obviously it looks so far like it paid off so right awesome. thank you yeah I, a coach of mine told me he's like don't try to act like someone you're not because the kids will see right through you and um i had one like one freak out it was like the third game of the year and it just completely backfired <laughs> like they played so much worse after that so i knew right from then i was like all right this isn't going to work with them so we got to find something different and that's where reflective practice like looking back and being aware of the mistakes that I made benefited us in the long run. Yeah, and I think Absolutely. that goes along with each generation of how they take criticism, feedback, whatever you want to call it. Uh, some people aren't yell yellers or get yelled at and then they step it up. Some are, you got to ease them into it. So it's good on you guys for noticing that and breeding into success. Before we let you go, we got to get into the 2002 17-2018 back-to-back championships with the Rockport Townies. I got to hear like at least one real good story from those celebrations, championships. Let's hear it. So um, 2017, I missed the celebration. Uh, the first one, and it was, it, had, it was 10 years, the first Townies championship at 10 years. And I had signed up to play in a uh, charity golf tournament in um easton easton massachusetts yep 
Um, it was my college roommate's family's like scholarship um, foundation that I was playing in. And my plan was was to go down to the go down to Cape Cod because that's where my um, roommates were from and stay with them the night before the tournament and hang out and then go back and kind of make like a little vacation out of it. Yeah. And that year we had tons of rain in that part of August. So everything just kept getting pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. So I missed that celebration because I ended up leaving, going down to Cape and playing some golf. Um, but 2018, whew, that was wild. <laughs> the boy, the boys say that 2017 was more fun because it was the first one. Yeah. But, um, Played some fun games uh, with, uh, you know. 2018 some... started at Pratties, correct? I think I, I ended up walking in there at some point, and then the party progressed, and I went home. Yeah, because you're soft. <laughs> well, no, uh, I'm not. I'm not a team member. I'm not going to get in on the celebration. Maybe one one day I won't be a Manchester Mariner. I'll tell you that. I honestly think there were more non-townies players at the post-post game than actual players on the team <laughs> there were random people there like friends of friends and it was just like it was a shit show there was like 20 people in mo's house for the uh post post game yeah do you get the dones and uh all the all the hill members at least i don't think the dones were there no but we had joe scat you know okay, joe's yeah. getting rowdy nice. uh cory ramsden and then tommy prendergast was there repping it? Nice. Yeah, I uh, I think 2018 was start at Pratty's then because I remember seeing Corey there, so that makes sense. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. 2017, we went to the Chinese joint in um, in Essex. Oh yeah, it's that's now right. a brewery. Oh, it's closed down now. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yep. Now a brewery. That's where we started that couple my ties, but I believe I was underage at the time. Wow. Yes. We'll say yep. you were you were you were yeah, you were probably you were probably twenty one. <laughs> yeah, it was close. Yeah. yeah. Five months away. Whatever. <laughs> All right, Kyle. Thanks for coming on. Uh role model in a lot of people's eyes and definitely getting the recognition you should have got in the globe for your work this season. I hope to one day be coaching and following in your footsteps. So once again, thanks. Roll Vikings. Thank thanks much. for coming on, buddy. Roll Vikes. Thanks. Talk to you guys later. See ya. Love All what right. you're doing, by the way. Keeping us entertained during quarantine. <laughs> you gotta do Trying something, right? <laughs> Stay at it. Oh, also, real quick, quick shout out, Brett Souza, Hilltop Landscaping. Oh. You know, quick advertising. Oh, you're breaking Drew's He's number one rule. Free, yeah. free advertising. <laughs> we'll give him that one. We'll toss him a bone man, at the end. <laughs> Love it. Love it. All right. Perfect. See you guys All later. Right. Thanks. And we're back. Kyle Nelson, thanks for the interview this week. We are with our special guest for a special segment here, William James Fosbury. Billy Foz, as most would call him. Billy, how you doing this week? I'm doing terrific. Thank you guys for having me. And just to jump right into what we're going to talk about here, it's going to be the stadium viewing, going to the game versus staying at your house, spending a lot less money with probably some people you enjoy a lot more than the guy sitting next to you in the stands. Uh, Billy, what's your take on it? Uh, well, I'm a pretty big go-to-the-game guy. I, uh, I feel like there's nothing like being in the building when you know these massive games happen. Me and Drew have been to a couple pretty amazing games, but yeah. 
there's also the flip side of it too. You know, sometimes you go and things don't go your way and it makes for a long, long uh, ride or drive home, whether you're on the train or not even knowing how you're getting home, AKA <laughs> after the Patriots lost this year, divisional round, you know, it's, it's tough, wow, God. but I'm in on either, but okay. I throw Dev. I definitely, I, I'm like, I feel like one of the few people that's strongly more in favor of watching the game at home. Like, I always feel like I get people fighting me on this. Um, I just, it's the comfort thing. The only thing that goes against what I'm like, you cannot replicate the atmosphere at the game. Um, but other than that, I'm like, I'd rather get some friends over. I'd rather order a bunch of food. That's probably, you could get like six pieces for the price of like two slices at a game. And with, you know, beer that I is ridiculously like less expensive for me and have a bathroom right nearby and not have to worry about commuting or anything. And you know what? I think one of the best parts about going to the game is probably the tailgate. You can just go tailgate out in your yard. I've done that before. I've tailgated tailgated for a game in my own driveway, did the whole thing, cook burgers on the grill and everything, and then go inside in the comfort of my own home and watch the game. And after a tough loss, like you said, the long drive home, it stinks and everything. I can just shut, I can shut that TV off before the clock even hits zero. If I know it's not going to go, if it's not going to go our way and then I can, I'm done. Like I no no commute, no thinking about it. I just I think all around I'd rather be there with commentary, knowing what's going on, seeing replays. I feel like anytime I'm at a game, I have no idea what's going on down in the field. It's like hard to follow, especially if you don't have great seats. It's one thing if you're in like the first row, but when you're typically way up high, you have no idea what's going on there. True. Yeah, I, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, I think it's the elephant in the room, William, is seeing Tom Brady play that last game. A um, lot of emotions, highs and lows. Nothing, I don't think, will ever replace the fact that we were there. And that's, you know, there's some things that you'll just see in person that you're like, wow, I am very glad that I, you know, made the trek. And on the flip side, as you guys also mentioned, there's absolutely not a worse feeling in the world than losing a game, leaving, and, you know, it's rainy, it's cold, and you have absolutely no idea where you are or where you're going. And it's just, it, it's, a, it's a helpless feeling. So, Devin, I will lean, lean towards you there where, you know, you're in your living room in the comfort of your own home or your buddy's house, whoever, and you can literally just change the channel and you're totally, life is fine, everything's right. great. Well, I, I don't know if everything's great, but <laughs> um, it's a little bit easier to avoid. It's certainly better than it would be if you were uh, at Gillette oh my Stadium God. in the pouring rain and cold. Stadium and everyone's yeah. devastated. It, exactly. So I, I'm probably, you know, to sum it up, I'm probably 70, 30, 70 going, 30 not going. Obviously, when you go to a an exciting game and your team advances and it's great and the atmosphere is awesome and everything goes smooth, you're like, hell yeah. Like, I'm so happy I went. I think it depends on your experience. You know, weather plays a role. Yeah. Things of that nature. So that's that's where this came up for me originally too. Was with it was uh, the a couple of years ago when the Pats beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship in Kansas City, and it was like ten degrees outside, and I was like, you could not pay me enough money to go sit in like seven single digits and just be oh, freezing frostbite. Is... I don't care if it's the AFC Championship game no, or if like I, I don't it. care what the stakes are. I would not want to sit in that stadium. Devin, that's probably. Up there in top five, like greatest games ever played. I will say, and there I wouldn't have wanted my, to be there. 
That's wild. If you, I know it's going to be that good a game, here's the thing. I'm a stay at home because we have a party down at Ten Acacia Street pretty much every single week. Billy's been there. Drew's been there. Lemoncello has not. He's missed out. <laughs> but if you're telling me, like, I've always thought Matt Lane went to Game 7 versus the Leafs when they scored the three goals to make the comeback, and he stayed. Incredible. Four goals? Four well, the goals. three to tie and then overtime. Three to tie, yeah. yeah. So to be at a game like that, I just don't see how you can pass that up to stay at home. And I am never, ever turning the TV off until that clock strikes zero. Drew knows that. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm, just, I'm typically on the same page, but the second in the Tennessee game that the like last interception fell in the guy's hands, I changed the channel before he even stepped foot in the end zone. But um, for the most part, I stick it out till zero, though. So, something funny about that is I think I was almost conditioned during that Tennessee game to just sit there and let it play out because Curtis and Billy and Devin probably knows this as well. You know, whether it was the Seattle Super Bowl – Atlanta, even that, even the game that you said that Matt Lane was to, I can confidently tell you all, I, it's not, it's not going to be a proud statement, but those games were turned off for a significant, <laughs> I'm saying over 10 minutes. I never, and I, 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 and I, I just look at the text, right? I just see the reactions of people, you know, if things are going bad or good, I can kind of read the room. Well, that is the, not the a I message conversations. It's, it's a miserable way to live life. I don't want to put um, blast you or anything, but. If I recall, me and John were up yelling up and down every single play at that divisional round this year. It was the wild card. You and Josh? It oh, was. They didn't win card. the division. Right. So, they oh, didn't, sorry. They didn't even make it that far. They didn't make it there. <laughs> yeah, oh, they, no, no, they won pit. the division. They didn't get the bye. Yeah. They didn't get the bye, yeah. But uh, me and John up and down, yelling, fist pumping yeah. every, every single play. You and Josh? We're yeah, quiet miserable. as church mouses sitting there. I wasn't quiet. With you his, know what was going on with me? With his hamburger on the ground that you threw after one fight. <laughs> I did You didn't even, you didn't even want it. Hamburger. You forced it down your throat. Yeah, and I slapped it out of his hand. You know what? Want to know why, guys? I wasn't very vocal, very excited. It was the angst and the nervousness where I just like didn't feel like really expressing myself. But also, <laughs> I had... Anyone who really knows me knows that I get the hiccups like no one else. I had those things from 3.30, from the first sip of alcohol I had, till the afternoon the next day. Like, my sternum hurt. I thought I had to go to the emergency room. I thought it was my chest was going to explode through my body. It was absolutely crazy. So I'm yelling and screaming, and I feel like my throat hurts, my chest hurts. It was a – besides watching Tom Brady's last game – it was not a fun experience. The hiccups got to me. Like I was too. <sighs> Go ahead. Your, your ER story. I mean, you went to the ER the day after you caddied for me at the club championship. I don't want to say your ER story is a, li- a little overblown or overused, <laughs> but it well, seems to be getting to that point. You were going to go to the ER for hiccups? Well, I was like, how do I get these to stop without like sticking a knife in my own heart? I think we stopped. It was just a little yeah. bit dramatic, if you couldn't tell. Billy. What did we say during, or what was our demeanor during the halftime of the Atlanta game? Because that is one of the proudest moments of our life, I would say. I, I mean, it wasn't over. There was still a whole nother half of football. There's plenty of time left. You can't, you cannot give up on any team, let alone a Boston team, no. with time left on that clock. I don't know how many times we said there's just too much time left. While we were sitting there at halftime, I'm sitting you know. there looking over, that's an all-time, watching that's an all-time Lady Gaga. Statement. Too much time. 
Drew, what was your, how were you feeling at halftime of that game? Um, my guess is not, not as positive as them. Seattle was worse. Seattle, what was it? Just the end of the third quarter, Drew was in the pits of misery. I was in my bed under the sheets, no TV on, in my room. They were down by 10, right? Yeah, I was dragging them out. Four games with 15 minutes left. I okay. So just before we get back on the topic, the Seattle game, I've never went from so emotionally low to the curse catch to so emotionally high. Yeah. I'm not about interception. I was like, what am I? What's going on? Am I even alive? Who knows? I don't know. Right. And then Atlanta at halftime. I won't lie to you guys. Like I, I came to terms with the fact that like Atlanta was a younger, faster team, and that we lost. I was like, I'm just happy that we're here. If it yeah. does happen, so help me God, it'll be the greatest thing that ever happened in the history of the world, which it did. Well, and behold. I was literally bawling my eyes out, crying, like like grabbing onto the TV, like just hysterically crying, say like because yeah. I couldn't believe myself. I swear to God, we have because Snapchats I was just of a of a half naked Kenzie dancing around <laughs> the room from that. Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, that one was pretty That's wild. Amazing. And with that, let's uh, talk a little more Pats. Let's go Pats versus Bucks. Uh, I'd say the over-under. We got a 17-game season coming up. Or is that the season after? I think it's a I season. Think it's, I think it's the season it was, after. Yeah. I thought it was this one coming up, but I could be wrong. Okay, either, either way. I don't even know if they're going to start on time. So. I would yeah. set the over-under at, let's just call it, eight and a half, nine, somewhere in that range. I uh, think For Patriots Vegas. wins. I think Vegas had him at eight and a half. Okay. Eight and a half. Let's half, let's yeah. talk eight and a half. Billy, are you going under or over with the wins for the Pats? How high up can I point? Can I go <laughs> way over? This is a William. This is a podcast. You need to speak into the microphone. They can't <laughs> necessarily see you. Over, <laughs> way over, a million if I could. Okay, are they going to be better than the Bucks record this year? Now that I think they're going to be pretty neck and neck. Uh, I'll, so you're talking like a probably like a 10-11 win season. Yeah, I'll probably give I'll give them eleven. Okay. Now, seeing that they got, did they get eleven last year? Did they go eleven and five last year. The Pats or the Bucks? The Pats. Pats were twelve and four. Twelve and four. Right? 12 yeah. And four? yeah, I'll give them eleven this year. No Brady. The team's only going to get better. Not <laughs> now. That's something that you're going to have to cut out because I did not mean that. <laughs> you're going to have to cut that out. Wait, wait, what? I mean, that's crazy. That's come out the complete wrong way. Okay. We got to keep it. Keep going. <laughs> what I meant is they're going to have to build now. Now that Tom's out the door, you have to rebuild. The team has to get better. Belichick's the greatest coach ever. So, I mean, it's only up from here. Who knows what Stidham has? You know, maybe, maybe he can throw it around the yard a bit like Jay Cutler. Shout out Jay Cutler, but oh god, I want to vomit. I What's think <laughs> I think we'll all agree that Tom didn't have the greatest year last year. But, but what have they on. done to the offense to make you think they can win eleven games? Because I'm I'm hammering the under. I think they haven't drafted yet. They haven't, Billy. When have they drafted a wide receiver, let alone Dirty a good Dirty. one? Last year, yeah. Nikhil Harry, how'd that work out? It, he now, played like four games, Kurt. Get your heel off his. Throat. And he was hurt. He was hurt the whole year. How about when he came best back? He avail- couldn't get the best any separation off anybody. Availability. Yeah. Listen, can I please give me give me forty five seconds? So yeah, go ahead. I'm picking the Wait Patriots. I I've said this a million times. Call me an idiot. Call me stupid. Call me blind to the fact that Tampa Bay is supposed to be this hot and scary team. 
I'm not going to not believe in the Patriots until they give me reason to. I have, after whatever, even after the last segment, I have, my my world has changed, okay? I am full-on confidence, full-on positive mental attitude, and we'll see what happens. There's a legitimate, like, like Billy said, the conversation that we're having right now could be very different in a month, in a month and a half. Whether it's, you know, drafting, trading, whatever it is, it, it doesn't even matter. I just think at the end of the day, you got to trust Belichick and you got to trust the system. Oh, my God. Oh, God. This is not the Patriots <clears throat> that we're used to, though. And that's what I think people need to, like, start to understand. This is a new era completely, right? This is because to me, and it's the big debate, you know, Brady, Belichick, all that. I think we uh, we don't have Tom Brady. You can't go into this year thinking the same thing, like until they give me a reason not to believe them. I now have a reason not to believe in them because Tom Brady's not back there. And we have one of the biggest question marks at the most important position of any team in the entire league. Stidham could be good. I don't know. But right now, I just haven't seen anything from him. He's a young guy. And I just don't trust that position whatsoever, along with the fact that, yeah, there's more time in the offseason, so we'll have to revisit this conversation. But as of now, they have one of the worst offenses in the entire league. Like, they have no weapons. I don't believe in these wide receivers based on what I saw last year. So hopefully there's drastic improvements. The running game was terrible. And there's still questions on the offensive line if they can stay healthy and everything. Worst tight ends in the league. I mean, this offense... The defense is still very good, which is why I think it's going to be close on that going back to the eight and a half wins. I think it'll be close because the defense is that good, but the defense lost some big names as well. So I'm going to say it's close to that. I'm going to take the under though. I'm thinking it's going to be like a seven and nine type season. I want to put Drew on blast here because he seemed to be ridiculous (laughs) to say that Buffalo has the chance to sweep the Pats next year, like take two from them. And I think also Miami does, because at the end of the year last year, people forget Miami went on a run of wins. Yeah. And they formed a pretty solid team with from nothing, practically. And they got what you said the whole offseason to build up upon that. Edelman, if they don't get another wide receiver, Edelman will be double and triple teamed like he was all year last year. So no matter how Edelman good Stidham wide. is, it doesn't matter. They're not going to be able to move the ball. You need more weapons on offense. They can't let Edelman get triple covered every single game. That's what I'm saying. They have to add more pieces if they're going to have any chance at reaching 11 wins. But, yeah, they have to improve. Now, I totally agree with you guys. I think on the the offense, let me just address position by position very quickly here. Offensive line, I am optimistic about. They just got a younger, healthier fullback in Danny Vitale, who I think – can hopefully stay healthy and just be a more, uh, you know how Bill loves to leverage his fullback, put him out outside the numbers, whatever it may be. I think that's going to help them a lot. I think um, another year of Isaiah win under his belt. And then hopefully you get a guy like David Andrews back because that cannot be understated. His, yeah, I mean, that was, that was massive, a absolutely yeah. massive all year. Um, obviously Ted Karras did everything he could, but he, they're not even remotely close to the yeah. same player in terms of athleticism experience, etc. So I think on the offensive line side, I'm optimistic that things will improve. But again, weapons, it's it's not good. I totally agree. You, I mean, they're going to just triple, quadruple team James White and Julian Edelman every single play until Nikhil Harry or Jacoby Myers can prove that they can get separation one-on-one 
and well, beat which a they guy did not last and make year. a play. No, not no, at all. I totally year. agree. And, and that's what you and that's what it came down to. Hopefully, Nobody... that's a build up from last season is just getting better. Yeah. That's their first yeah. year. And and going on the Bucks too, I think that's why a lot of people are like, oh, Tom didn't look that good last year. And he it certainly was not one of his best years. I'm not going to say that it was, but he with averaged all about the... seventh in the league in most stats, though. That's like what it came out so, to. I mean, but, still a good so he had this. So he had this yeah. terrible season, and he was still in the top ten in all these categories with all those things that happened at 42 years old. So now you put him in the Bucks offense, which instead of the Patriots, which I think has some of the worst weapons right now, the Bucks probably have the best receiving core. Ronald Jones is a better running back than people think. He's got great tight ends. That offense is going to be really good. You're gonna people are gonna realize Brady's not just you know old and whatever. It, it was just a bad season last year for a lot of different reasons. So I think the Bucks' offense is gonna be extremely difficult to stop, and their defense is better than people give them credit for. Their front seven is solid. They were middle of the road defense last year. The problem is their secondary is atrocious. Well, it's so tough the biggest too problem. when Jameis turns the ball over. How many interceptions did he throw last 30, year? 30? 30 and 30. Yeah, so 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. When the defense is on their heels all game yeah. from a, a turnover and, that just yeah. turned in the defensive zone, you know, Tom's, on their Tom's never here. Tom's never thrown more than I think 16 interceptions in a season, and Jameis threw 30 last year. Can so I just bring up one thing too? Yeah. So one thing that I am interested in seeing, or two things. So one is I think within the first six games of this coming season, whenever that does end up happening, you will find out if it's, you know, people keep bitching and moaning. Is it Brady? Is it the system? I think it's both. But I think through the first six games of the year, you're going to tell who was more responsible. And also another thing, too, to consider on the Tampa Bay side, I totally agree with you on the weapons, Dev. But my thing is, how is Aaron Leftwich? I mean, that's a name drop. I believe he's the OC there. Yeah, and yeah. then um, how is their offense? How are they going to cater their offense around him after just, I know last year, Jameis threw the most deep balls in the league and they would just let him rip every yeah. play. So that's going to be interesting to see how they kind of transform things in it's the offseason yeah. to more, to kind of cater to Brady's strengths. Um, and hopefully you don't get the Godwin, Mike Evans, you know, the Odell treatment where he's crying and kicking nuts because he's not getting... Right, three hundred and fifty odd and six touchdowns every game. So we'll see. All yeah. right. Well, let's wrap up that segment there. We're running a little late on time, but I want to get Billy's pet peeve of the week, hate of the week. Let's hear it, Bill. All right. I don't really like uh, when you're getting a haircut. My place of choice is uh, Great Clips. You know, you in and out, <laughs> twenty minute, quick <laughs> bang, in and out. Um, I'm not a big small talk when getting a haircut. I want to just go in there, cut the flow, give you twenty dollars. I'm out the door. Ten minutes, just snip. I'm gone. I don't. So want any no socialization. Call. You don't want to treat no. the the hairdresser or whatever like a human being. You just want them no, as no, 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 a machine. No, 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 no. She's a human. She she does a great job. It could be a he. She or he. Uh, <laughs> it's twenty twenty now. Anything could happen. Um, but. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's job it's a job, you know. Just do your job, you know. Next man up. Next. Do what you else? not interact at your work? Do I? Oh, yeah, I'm a big interactor. I'm the. Hey, this is Bill from the event company. How can I help you? So why so, are you? No like, free ads, Bill. So oh, sorry. Against <laughs> hairdressers from interacting with you, they're just trying to you know make you more comfortable. Maybe pass the time a little quicker. Well, I am the most comfortable. Just in and out. Get me out of there. So just, uh, my argument it, would be, send me out. 
how are you happy with a haircut that takes sub 10 minutes? That's terrible. <laughs> well, see, Drew, I get a very simple haircut. I don't go and wait an hour at a barber shop for 15 people to go in front of me. I check in online, walk in, sit down, cut my hair, wipe my neck, get the hair off my neck. Bill, I will say. Take a 20, I'm gone. Your hair compared to Drew's, probably a lot easier to cut and make look good because I know my hairdresser is just doing a number just to cover up the spots. Did you yeah. just indirectly <laughs> tell me that I don't have good hair? Is that sort of what well, you hinted at? Well, we're losing the hair, definitely. We got three to five years, best, best case scenario. <laughs> Going to end up bicking it soon if this quarantine lasts another month. Going to be bald as a cue ball. I'm waiting for my mother to buzz me one of these days. <laughs> Why? Just a, a two all the way around. Why is Beth going to do that? She can see in the back of my head. I don't have eyes in the back of my head. Oh, so you're just going to do it. It's an at home versus actually going to the barber or something. To do they're that. all closed. You can't yeah, go. Yeah, they're closed. Them. All right. Well, that'll wrap it up, Bill. Thanks for coming on. No problem. Thanks, William. And with that, Pat Goss, play us out. What's for lunch? T-double-B-L-C. Stay in your seat. What's for lunch today? Sazits. Brown bag, brown bag. The Brown Bag Lunch Group.